you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey everybody, it's Daniel Jeremiah for Move the Sticks. And I'm Bucky Brooks, and this is Kyler Murray 360. Murray out of the pocket. Might be where he's at his most dangerous. C.D. Lamb. It's a walk-in touchdown. Bullet pass up the seam. Morris. Touchdown. Murray trying to get out of there. The escapability. Throwing on the run. It's draft week. This is our final 360 episode for the 2019 NFL Draft. And with a guy like Kyler Murray, there are so many reasons why he could potentially be the number one overall pick in this draft. Today we want to focus on three main elements of what makes the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback so special. Number one, he's a winner. 43-0 at Allen High School in Texas. Three state championships. 186 total touchdowns and over 14,000 yards for his high school. Goes on to college, he's a Heisman winner, he's a Big 12 champion as a one-year starting quarterback at Oklahoma. Number two, the unique ability to be a dominant athlete in two sports. Top 10 pick in Major League Baseball and a potential number one overall pick in the NFL Draft. Number three, the dynamic of having to replace Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. How do the two All-American quarterbacks compare? How are they different? We'll hear from many people close to Kyler Murray throughout this show. But first, let's start with this offensive coordinator at Allen High School in Texas, Jeff Fleener. All right, Coach, thank you so much for, for spending some time with us today. First question from me is just when was the first time uh, you met Kyler Murray and what was your impression? Uh, I was able to meet Kyler when he was actually in middle school. Uh, Kevin, his dad, uh, was training one of the quarterbacks we had at Allen High School uh, there in that 2010-2011 years. And so he was in middle school and then his freshman year of high school and got a chance to meet him a couple of times at, at some of those training sessions and, uh, you know, got to know him a little bit. But for, you know, you, you guys in the media know pretty quickly that Kyler's not uh, real trusting of everybody right when he first meets him. So it was definitely fun that uh, he went ahead and came to, to Allen High School and got to build that relationship with him. You know, in, in, in 
terms of building their relationship, what was it like when you finally had an opportunity to work with them in practice and to see and observe how he interacted with his teammates in games? Oh, it was an absolute blast. I mean, you you first just see him the, the first two, three throws he has just at, at, a, at a practice. The very first time we got to see him practice, he was actually before we'd even started our, our fall practices. And he met with some of our receivers and our other quarterback just to throw some balls at, at, at one of the middle schools. And just from the very beginning, knowing that he's just barely 15 years old and watching, you know, everything's perfect. I mean, the, the fundamentals, his hips, his feet, his arm placement, you know, every single ball, whether he's playing catch from a guy 10 yards away from him or throwing a post route down the field, it's, it's effortless. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that, that made it really easy as a coach that, you know, a lot of times you'd have to spend a lot of time working on fundamentals and drops and footwork and things like that. And there was so much of that with Kyler that was just it was just natural or just what he had been working on for so long with his dad. Coach, for those that don't know, uh, maybe from outside the country, outside the state of Texas, can you kind of paint the picture of just how big time high school football is when, when you're coaching over there at Allen High School and, and the run you guys run. I just don't think people, maybe if you live in another state, you realize uh, just how big, how important high school football is. Oh, well, you know, it, it, anybody that says if you're going to be a high school football coach, you know, there's no other place to do it like Texas. Uh, you know, there's there's stories all over the state of, uh, of coaches in Texas that, loaded up their bags and U-Haul and their family from, from New York or, you know, places like that and drove down, didn't have a job, but just said, we're going to Texas because I want to be a high school football coach. And, you know, I think a lot will look at, you know, Friday Night Lights, the movie or the show and and see some of that and think, oh, well, this, you know, some of this has got to be some hyperbole, some exaggeration for Hollywood. And uh, maybe the good and bad of it is that it really isn't. Um, you know, and the best way to explain, you know, Alan is when you take the, the insanity that is Texas high school football, uh, if you want the poster child for that, you, you look at Allen High School where, um, you know, I, I think the, the fun part of, of just the city of Allen uh, is it is very much the small town Friday night lights mentality as far as everybody's going to close up shop and go to the football game and we're going to have all that, but on the largest scale being the largest high school in Texas. Uh, it's been very important to them for a long time in that city that uh, they wanted to always be a one high school town. They they didn't want anybody to have to, you know, wear a different color shirt or, you know, support a different team. And, and they've done a great job in that town continuing that. And thinking about the pressure that comes along with being kind of like the, the only show in town. Uh, you guys went on a historic run. You won three straight state titles, and Kyler Murray was the starting quarterback. What did you learn about Kyler Murray during that sustained run when you guys were able to kind of dominate the level of competition with him at the quarterback? Well, you know, I mean, there, there was definitely games that we went went into and, and we were going to be the better team. But I, I think that it gets overshadowed sometimes is in those runs we went on when we got into the playoffs and playing some of the powerhouse teams, nationally ranked teams year in and year out. I think that's where his leadership and his ability really set us apart from everybody else, because, you know, it, there's not many games at the highest level in Texas where you're going to win just because you have the best athlete on the field. Uh, you know, you just can't you can't win that way when you're playing the teams like DeSoto, Euless Trinity, Cedar Hill, Longview. Uh, you're playing, you know, uh, all of those powerhouse teams. And it, that's when it has to be more than just the talent uh, of a guy like Kyler Murray. And, uh, you know, his leadership is such a different style and probably something that's been a, called into a question a lot because, following a guy like Baker Mayfield of Oklahoma, everybody 
they, that's what they expected, which was, you know, Baker was a guy that wasn't afraid to, to talk in front of the microphone and be loud and, and be the, the passion guy, the juice guy, the guy giving the, the pep talk before the games and dancing and, and getting all the excitement going where, you know, Kyler has always been my description, Island assassin. Um, and the confidence that he brought to his team just simply on his preparation and play. But I, I think there's just so many people that don't get to see his leadership because of the out there in front of you on social media, in front of the cameras. To, uh, we, we have, I mean, just stories upon stories from his three years as our quarterback at practices as far as he demanded you to be at your very best and be great on single snap and every single rep that we took in practice or you were going to hear about it pretty quick well buck i thought it was was fascinating to listen to coach fleener uh talk about his time there with kyler murray and you kind of get a sense of the seriousness and the competitive side of kyler yeah you get a greater sense of how competitive he is how he held his teammates accountable some of the leadership questions that maybe we had about him he answered those and more importantly, we get a chance to see where he stacked up with some of the great quarterbacks in high school that played at Texas. The guys like the Drew Breeses, the Andrew Lux, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford. The list goes on and on. Look, Kyler Murray has been called by some the greatest player to ever play in the state of Texas as a high school athlete. Speaks volumes about his ability. And another person who's watched Kyler Murray closely for years, Buck, uh, ESPN recruiting director and college football analyst, Todd Luganbill. He had Murray ranked as a top overall quarterback and 13th best prospect in the class of 2015. And I had a chance to sit down and talk with Tom. Kyler Murray, um, I, I don't know that there was a more decorated high school player in terms of the success he had there at Allen High School there in Texas. But um, when you're evaluating him as a high schooler, how, I mean, how did you how do you look at what he's done? All the, I mean, the zillion Division One players on his team. But still, he stands right. out like a sore thumb. What was your evaluation on him uh, before he went to AM? I think the first thing you've got to do with Kyler Murray is you've got to just allow yourself to remove the measurables and really focus on the production. Focus on the little nuances of the position. Some of the things that you can't coach, instincts, pocket awareness, leadership, um, a quiet swagger. He doesn't say an awful lot. And, you know, I've said all along, and I actually said this when he was coming out because he, too, was a guy that we had in the Under Armour game. And we had talked very, very uh, deep with, with our staff that if this guy was three inches taller, he'd be the best quarterback prospect that we had evaluated at that time. I think we've been at it 10 years. Uh, we're at it about 13, wow. 14 now. Um, but the reality is he was, you know, 5'10 and some change. And, you know, the one thing that I've really been, uh, you know, focusing on with that, because everybody says, well, is, is he tall enough? Well, it's not, is he tall enough? It's can he stay durable? Mm -hmm. Can he protect himself? Because the game has changed. It's a shotgun-based game. He'll find lanes. He can change arm angles. He can do all those things. He's got much better arm strength than people think he does. Um, and, and I think it's really important today's game. You've got to be able to throw off balance. You've got to be able to make throws when things aren't perfect. Those are some of the things that he does really, really well. So what you really become concerned about is the durability side. There's a difference between 5'10 and 6 foot. Doesn't seem like there is, but there is. However, with Kyler, and I don't know if you agree with this, there's also a difference between being short yeah. and small. No question. He's not small. He's short, mm -hmm. but he's got some stature to him. And so all of the things – 
you know, I, I look at what I call the triple A aptitude, athleticism, accuracy. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he checks those boxes. And then two other things, mental toughness and competitive instincts. How difficult was it for you? Because this is something, I mean, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, um, and said, mm-hmm. are you actually going to have a quarterback who at the time we thought was going to be five foot nine as the number one quarterback in an yeah. NFL draft class? I was 10 years ago. I said, there's no way. Well, that's, you know, I've arrived to that point. Now yeah. it helps having seen, you know, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees and Baker not being the biggest guys in the world and having sure. success. Uh, but still it's, you feel like it, early on in the process, you're putting yourself out there a little bit to have him as a top quarterback. Was it a challenge for you? I mean, you're putting out a list on ESPN.com that everybody in the country sure. is going to pay attention to, and are you sitting there going, "Oh man, I mean, I'm gonna wait till I get some blowback on this." I've got this five foot ten kid rated as highly as I do. I mean, what, how did you navigate those waters? Um, it was difficult, and truth be told, when we first kind of started charting him as a sophomore and junior, we actually put him in our athlete category because I was so concerned. That from a stature standpoint, I mean, how do you go on this guy? And then I had to be convinced. I had to see him in person. I I had to continue to watch him and see the things that he would do and how he would affect a football team. Um, But it it wasn't easy. And I think going between his his junior and his senior year was when we said, okay, let's transition him into the quarterback category. And if if you're going to be a university that's going to offer him a scholarship as a quarterback, you need to tailor the offense around him. And I still feel the same way now, DJ, yeah. at the National Football League level. If you're going to take him, you're not going to put him in the West Coast. You're not going to put him under center in a multiple pro-style offense asking him to throw the 18-yard comeback. Mm-hmm. You're going to do what Andy Reid has done with Patrick Mahomes and what Doug Peterson has done with Nick Foles. Because if you don't, you're going to be putting yourself at a disadvantage. If you do, I think you're going to maximize Kyler Murray's traits, and nobody's going to be talking about the fact that he's 5'10 and change. No doubt. We know how it ended up. We know the Heisman Trophy winning season there at Oklahoma as we march towards the draft. I mean, that that's where everybody's focusing. Uh, last question from me, just real simple. What, what went wrong for him at, at Texas A&M that led to the transfer? I think there were an awful lot of – extenuating circumstances that probably were mostly off the field as opposed to on the field. Mm-hmm. Is it related to having two talented freshman quarterbacks, um, a program where in my opinion, there didn't seem to be a lot of locker room discipline, didn't seem to really have a lot of direction in terms of uh, the leadership of the program. And I just don't think it was a good marriage. I don't think Mm -hmm. the locker room was the right environment. Um, It just didn't work. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And I credit the young man because when he played, he chose to go somewhere, sit out in red shirt, wait, uh, which is something very hard for kids to do, um, especially when you're talented the way that he is. But sometimes if you have a little patience, and you're willing to take maybe a little bit of a different path to get to where you want to get, those sacrifices will end up boring out to be fruitful in the end. That is fantastic. Uh, Lukes, thank you so much for your time, man. That, that was a huge help. DJ, that was fascinating stuff from Luganville. I, I think the thing that stands out to me is just, man, what would guys have rated 
Kyler Murray if he had been just a little taller, if he had kind of <laughs> those prototypical physical dimensions that you typically look for in QB1s. Uh, the fact that he was rated as highly as he was coming out of high school just continues to kind of cement the case that this dude was a special player, a dynamic athlete, a remarkable playmaker at the high school level. Yeah, I think it speaks too to the timing, right? If, if this is a player that had come out 10 years ago, um, you know, without having a Russell Wilson doing what he's doing, um, may, without having Baker having that immediate success, maybe you get a little more penalized for his size, but it definitely is a different time, not only for us as we look at these guys coming to the NFL, uh, but Tom speaking to that fact as you're looking at high school recruits. All right, Buck, I had a chance to do a, a coach's roundtable where a chance to sit down and visit with four big-time college football head coaches, including Mike Gundy, somebody that knows firsthand what it's like to play against Kyler Murray. Guys, I want to talk about a player. I'm sure if you've played against him or you've, you've definitely seen him through this process, one of the more uh, unique players that I've seen in my scouting career is Kyler Murray and, the, and what he presents as an athlete and just a weapon at the quarterback position. I haven't really seen anything like it. Coach Gundy, I know you, you played the position there. First question, just the, the skill set of somebody like that and how fun it is to be a play caller when you have somebody like well, that. Well, I, I certainly didn't play the position like he played it, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, uh, he was a one-and-done guy, and, and uh, I, I have to say I'm glad he's one-and-done. But he's uh, being, our, being an arch rival of us, obviously, with Bedlam, but, but he had, has had the single – greatest year in my opinion of a college quarterback for to show up and play one year and then move on and to, and to watch him play live the guy's fantastic I mean it, it is what it is uh, watching him play and the, the things that he was able to do and the success that he's had and uh, he just had a fantastic year and, and um, um, we, we did not want to compete against him you know but I will say this I have a lot of respect for him the way he handled himself and the way that he competed he was fantastic all right, Buck, getting a chance to talk with those guys. I know you were, uh, you were there that day as well, got a chance to visit with them. It's always fascinating, not only talk to guys that have coached someone, uh, but more importantly, those that have coached against them. Yeah, because you get their perspective, and it's unique when you stand on the opposite sideline and you've had to be in game plan meetings where you had to figure out how do we slow this guy down? What do we want to do to contain him? Can he be contained? And then you play it out, and the guy continues to break your heart. Unique perspective for guys that have really been on the tough end of some losses handed at the hands of Kyler Murray. Tell everybody what we've got coming up next here, Buck. A good, a good friend of the show, also somebody has unique insight here on Kyler Murray. Well, a friend of our show, and not only uh, this show, but Path to the Draft, Joe Klatt, a former Big 12 starting quarterback at Colorado and was on the call for five Oklahoma Sooner games last fall. He has something to say about Kyler Murray. When it came to Kyler and meeting with him, I know we've talked about uh -huh. before he got the job. Did you sense, um, just from a comfort standpoint and kind of being the lead man, is that something, and talking to the folks I talked to in Oklahoma, sound like that was kind of an acquired taste for him. Uh, but having covered as many games as you did, did you sense as you were going through the year that, okay, he became a little more comfortable as the front man? Yeah. He's just a quiet, confident leader. I think that their confidence is is virtually the same in the in their self-belief of what they can do and what they can provide and so I thought that when you when you would hear that and you're like well Kyler's not the you know he's growing into the leader he's this I think that's more born from their expectations of what they just had from yeah. Baker because when I talked to the teammates they loved Kyler they loved what he brought um, a quiet confidence is very different than a boisterous confidence but it's still confidence nonetheless um, and and I think 
as the year went on and I got in there more and more often from FAU week one all the way, you know, until the end of the year, what, what, what I saw was a team that gravitated towards his style, a calmness in particular on offense, which they needed uh, because their defense was so bad. And it was kind of like he just stood up, put his helmet on. It's like, all right, we're going to go score again. And that's kind of how they ended up uh, playing. So I thought he wasn't um, a poor leader by any stretch. He was just a different leader than Baker. A great insight there from our buddy Joel Clad, who's obviously spent a lot of time around Kyler Murray having called all those Oklahoma games. Yeah, look, he's fantastic. But look, you also were one of my favorites. You and Jeffrey Chadia were at Oklahoma Pro Day to watch the first-team All-American quarterback who had 54 total touchdowns last season. Here's a Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback, Kyler Murray. And asking everybody around here, around the program, about you for, for today and, and even uh, leading up to the Combine, hear a lot of the same things. Talk about your toughness. Mm -hmm. Talk about your intelligence. I hear great things about your work ethic. Everybody says, you know, you're quiet. You're a little bit quieter. Can, yeah. Is there an example? Can you give me an example just where you've kind of taken over in that in that vocal leadership yeah. role? We know you're a leader by example, but has there been an instance here at OU where you've gotten in front of the team and shared some things? Uh, I mean, I can't go through every, you know. But every it's vocal. happened. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody in the locker room knows. Yeah. <laughs> I can't give you that side on this on the TV show or anything like that, but uh, all my boys know, you know, it, it's you know we turn it. It's intense. It is what you know. It's it's time to go. Uh, you know, we're not playing around, um, man. It, that's just who I am off the field. It is, you know, I don't have much to say about it. Let's get something straight. Your teeth. Smile Direct Club straightens your teeth for 60% less than braces with invisible aligners sent directly to you. Simply go online and book a free 3D scan at one of their smile shops or order an at-home impression kit. Then they'll email you a preview of your new smile. And once you get your aligners, one of Smile Direct Club duly licensed doctors will check in on your progress every 90 days. Visit SmileDirect.com for real before and after photos from some 550,000 plus satisfied grinners. And also, exclusive for our listeners, you can get $100 off your invisible aligners when you go to smiledirectclub.com slash podcast and use the offer code STICKS. You also get a $25 Amazon gift card with a free 3D scan at one of their smile shops or a $25 rebate on an at-home impression kit. That's $100 off at smiledirectclub.com slash podcast, offer code STICKS. smiledirectclub.com slash podcast, offer code STICKS. Our Buck, it was fun to talk with Kyler. It felt like it got him to open up a little bit, got to see a little bit of his personality uh, come out in that interview there with Jeff Chidea, uh visiting with him at the Oklahoma Pro Day. I feel like we've done a nice job of, of painting the picture of Kyler as a winner. That's really all he's ever done from high school on to college. I think we've proven the point. This guy is a winner. Now, the second theme of this episode, we're focusing on the dual sport aspect of Kyler Murray. Remember, he's a ninth overall selection by the Oakland A's in the 2018 MLB draft projected as a top pick in the NFL draft. Expected to become the first ever athlete drafted in the top 10 in both baseball and football. His high school offensive coordinator, Jeff Fleener, has followed it all from the beginning and offers a unique viewpoint on Kyler Murray's dual sports status. Coach, what kind of a baseball player was he? Did you get a chance to see him there at the high school? How was he as a baseball player? Oh, it was a blast going to watch him play baseball. And, and it's, it's so funny how the two kind of went together you know it, we used to have college coaches that would tell us on our football film they loved getting to watch our end zone angle of our of our 
of our film because, and, and in fact, had a really big Division One offensive coordinator say that if he didn't feel like he was going to offend the other quarterbacks in his room, he would have shown them Kyler's high school tape on what your lower half of your body is supposed to look like when you're throwing balls and moving in the pocket. Same could be said in baseball. It, it just amazed me to go watch a kid like that, that just – everything about his swing was effortless and everything about his hands and, and how he just played the entire game. It just looked so smooth and so natural. And, you know, just sitting here thinking about how much people struggle to hit a baseball and how to swing and how to, you know, use your hips and your forearms and your legs and your feet and, you know, all of that stuff. And, and he just makes it look so effortless, but, you know, the, the crazy thing about Kyler is as you get to know him and hear the stories and, and get to know his family is, you know, he had a guy like his dad that that from very early on could help him with the football stuff. And then you have his uncle, you know, Calvin Murray, uh, that was obviously a professional baseball player and pretty good at it and, you know, was able to be trained. But more than anything, Kyler was just wired in a way that he wanted to be great. Uh, Kevin will tell that story a lot that, you know, he wasn't one of these uh, Todd Marinovich dad type of guys where it was demanding that his kid do this and practice this much. Uh, Kyler's just a kid, a kid that three and four years old was constantly grabbing dad. Hey, let's go hit balls. Let's go play catch. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And I think that's uh, what really sets him apart is uh, you wish every single young athlete had that in them. Uh, but like I said, he, he he's just wired differently than other people. He wants to be great. Um, I think the the, you know, even looking at his decision to go in the NFL draft, you know, how much of that was just because people said he couldn't go play NFL. You know, <laughs> he, he's a guy that that thrives on that uh, proving people wrong. Um, I'm just excited that uh, people are starting to see what his skill set can do at the highest level. You know, Coach, one thing that I wonder and many people wonder, because he was so talented and gifted in two sports, in baseball and in football, what's the sky, what's the limit on what he could become? I think that's the scariest part for everybody is he's never done that. He's never been a hundred percent one or the other. And so if he's going to put a hundred percent behind something, it, it, it's scary to think that he could be even better than he is. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, for a guy that split his time for so often, you know, and, and getting to see him at the high school level where things are a little bit differently, as far as getting kids attention spans to, uh, to be focused on what we're trying to do when games, when there's so many other things going on uh, within our, software that we use to for our film we, we call it huddle uh, at the high school level we are able as coaches to track how much film guys watched uh when we log in we can go look you know as a kid only watching you know three minutes of video or is he watching 30 minutes of video as we send this stuff out kyler was three and four times higher in the amount of video he watched than anybody else um some of my favorite memories of kyler were monday mornings as the offensive coordinator i would just bring him in and go through the game plan of what we've seen and, and what we thought and you know after that first year sophomore year his junior and senior year he started coming in on monday mornings and almost giving me what his game plan was and what he thought and he could break down exactly which safety he thought we should attack or this corner's pretty good or this corner you know he bites on this but he loses receivers if they get on his outside hip i mean he was coming in and saying hey we need to pick on 33 and if and if this guy ever comes in the game you better call a deep shot right now because that guy can't cover <laughs> anybody i mean he was just so confident and you go and it, i'm sitting there thinking man this this guy might be watching more video than I am right now. And uh, so it was just such a, a passion thing for him. Uh, and it was fun for me because he really didn't ever want any part of 
I think we should run this route or this combination or things like that. He was great at where he found windows and places where he felt like he could attack. But he was the first one that, you know, it wasn't he wanted to call the plays or he wanted to do this. He just wanted to be a part of the process. And so I, I can't say enough about the, the type of kid he is as far as the work that he would put in to be great. But he would also take your help, take your coaching, uh, which is hard to find, especially at the high school level when you have very talented kids. Well, Coach, we can't thank you enough for taking some time for us today. Uh, we do appreciate it. We wish you the best of luck there at uh, Mesquite High School, and uh, the, the fall will be here before you know it. Uh, thanks again for your time. It will, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. DJ, it's uncommon for a guy to be dominated in two sports and for someone to see it from the ground level, watching him in high school, watching him being able to not only dominate on the gridiron, but what he was able to do on the diamond. You just don't see those kind of athletes. You're talking about Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson caliber stuff that we're hearing about Kyler Murray. No doubt, Buck. And I uh, got a chance to visit with a couple coaches at that coach's roundtable um, and Coach Gundy and Coach Holgerson talking about recruiting two sport athletes to the college level. We're looking at Kyler Murray taking it to the NFL level, uh, having a chance if he wanted to, to play Major League Baseball. There's something about dual sport athletes and these coaches offer some interesting insight. Well, you guys start at the ground floor at recruiting these high school kids. Coach Gundy, I'll start with you on this. Uh, just the traits, the gotta have it's at that position in your opinion. I think now it's it's a cerebral part. Guys that can make a decision quick with uh, the different things we see on defense. Um, gotta be very competitive, uh, gotta be tough. You know, we, we talk a lot about our quarterbacks. They're the one guys that take hits and really don't deliver them. They gotta be physically tough. They gotta make quick decisions mentally. You see a lot of guys in shorts and times and seven on sevens in the summer. Um, they look really good, but they, they've got to be able to make plays in games. They've got to be competitive, and they've got to be a great leader. I mean, when we, we were, you know, when you, we had Whedon there when you were with us, it was a great deal. So, yeah, Brandon was a was a different type quarterback. You know, he was a first round baseball pick and a first round football pick. That's pretty. That's pretty. Well, it's kind, it's kind of like one. The, yeah, kind of like the one at Oklahoma up. right now. That's <laughs> that that's coming out. There's no doubt. I tell you. I, the number one thing that I look for, uh, I, I got I got a pretty soft spot for coaches' kids. He's got one in his house right now. I've got one in my house. You know, all those Texas Tech guys that we had, they're all coaches' kids. Started with Cliff Kingsbury, uh, you know, Graham Harrell, with all the Case Keenum. All these guys are, are coaches' kids. Will Greer is a, is a coach's kid. The one that I have at Houston right now, Derek King, is a special player, and he's a coach's kid. You know, so. Uh, it, it goes back to the cerebral thing. These, these coaches' kids, uh, they kind of absorb a lot of the things over the years in a, in a football office, and then they can transfer it onto the field as well. Last thing, Coach Gundy, just I know the Brandon Whedon with his situation. He had been drafted in baseball uh, coming out of high school. You also had another player that was with you that was drafted sure. while you were there at Oklahoma State. Yeah, Josh Fields, when, when I came in with Coach Miles, was the head coach, and I was the, the offense coordinator coaching quarterbacks right there in, in Stillwater, at Stillwater High School, was Josh Fields, who nobody recruited. He was just a guy. He was a six-foot-and-a-half, 180-pound baseball football player. We had just come in and got the job, so we took him because we, we had a spot and we couldn't really accumulate recruits, uh, guys that we needed. So we take him. He grows to maybe 6'1", uh, ends up being 190 pounds, a fantastic quarterback. Um, played for us, gets drafted um, in the first round by the Chicago White Sox and then comes out and, and plays and played a little bit of pro baseball and then went over and played Japan. But the story is, you know, we talk about um, quarterbacks being dual sport guys. 
and uh, and he was a fantastic baseball player, obviously, and then a really good football player. I thought if he would have played his senior year, that he would have been a, a middle round pick in football. He had gotten and developed himself that well, where he understood defenses. He was a student of the game, very tough, very competitive. Came in, we played Oklahoma down there. We were 28 point underdogs, and uh, breaks his breaks his thumb. Uh, quarterback breaks his thumb. He comes in and plays, finishes the game. We beat him down there. And that showed a little bit. He's a true freshman when he did that. So kind of that's the kind of young man we were dealing with. Wow. Well, it's not the Kyler Murray's not the first. He won't be the last here having to make that decision, baseball and football. I'm thankful that he chose football. I know you guys <laughs> at the end are thankful that he decided to, to leave Oklahoma. No doubt. <laughs> DJ, you know I'm a fan of guys that can play both sports, and I think it's interesting to hear coaches give their take on guys that are multi-sport athletes. And so, you know, if we're going to talk about multi-sport athletes, we're fortunate to talk to one who was outstanding in his own right, uh, a guy who can relate. How about Joel Klatt? Here's Fox Sports lead college football analyst, Continuing on with the baseball theme, how do you think being a standout baseball player has impacted his ability to impact the game in football? Um, Skill set wise, I don't think that there's a lot of translation at all. Um, I think it's all mentality. Um, what position did you play, by the way? For I was known as Joel was, was drafted a, by the Padres. So. The, the, Oh, man, I get so Padres. good I get getting Padres like, almost first, every podcast. He was drafted by the current first place Padres. Go ahead, floor is yours. That's right. And um, their scouting department all got fired after that draft. <laughs> no, um, I was a third baseman. Yeah. And um, so a position player. And, and I think that that's important because pitchers and position players are so different in, in what they have to bring to the table. And one of the things that I struggled a lot with is that I had a football mentality playing baseball. I wanted to succeed every single time, mm-hmm. play with a sense of urgency. It was, you know, this is the most important rep. Harder's is better. A, harder's better. Effort, effort, effort. And and that's the way that I wanted to approach baseball. That is a failed approach in baseball. You cannot do that. The guys that just allow it to come for them, understand that they're ne- Regardless of what happens in this opportunity, there's going to be a next opportunity. Regardless of what happens in that opportunity, there's going to be a next opportunity. And those are the styles of mentality that I think are really successful in baseball. And one of the reasons why he had a lot of success in baseball. And then you see that approach come to football. So the failure I dealt with in baseball as a position player, I thought led directly to me being a little bit more calm, even though I'm still tightly wound, but as a quarterback. So that helped me at Colorado more than anything was the fact that, you know, if I threw for 55%, I was like, man, what a great day. Like, I'm going <laughs> to get promoted. This is a lot of success, you know, and this is back when, you know, 60 was really more than normal yeah. rather than the current day, 70%. Um, so de- dealing with failure helped. And I think that came to fruition with Kyler as well. That's why I think you see the calm nature uh, with the way that he, kind of operates on the football field. and um, But that's the attribute that I think translated the most. One of the things I was thinking about, just the way you described that to me, and you hear coaches talk like this, Buck, all the time, but um, focusing on the process and not the result mm-hmm. seems to be kind of a, that's the baseball mentality. Yep. You know, that's what it is. I, the, whatever happens after the ball leaves my bat, that's out of yeah. my control. But in terms of getting myself prepared for that at bat, for that moment, that's my job and I can live with whatever happens. It almost seems like personality-wise, that kind of makes sense the way you kind of see Kyler Murray, how he handles himself. No doubt. And and it's not that different from playing quarterback because there are things that are out of your control as far as the result goes, you know. But if you immerse yourself into the process, into the system. Yeah, candidly, I think that's why Brady is so great. Mm-hmm. You know, now he's made himself a great 
thrower of the football, and he's very accurate down the field. But what he does best is operate the process. And and I think from that standpoint, you know, I think that that is a learned trait from baseball that Kyler can can bring to the table. Oh, I love our buddy Joel and, and some great insight there, Buck. Baseball, football, uh, the difference between the two. Although I got to needle Joel just a little bit because what, he wasn't a first-round pick. I mean, what, what's the big <laughs> deal, man? Uh, you see Kyler Murray is, is going to be a top-10 pick in both sports. Uh, Joel just got, you know, he's just found his way into both sports professionally. I mean, come on, Joel. Let's, let's step up your game a little bit here. Okay, that's enough about Joel. Let's hear from the man himself at his pro day. DJ, you and Jeffrey Chadia were in Norman with the All-American quarterback, Kyler Murray. You've been a two-sport star for your entire life and your entire career here. Mm -hmm. Now you have an entire spring to focus on football. What's that been like for you, to not have baseball be in the back of your mind? Uh, I mean, I've done it my whole life. So, I mean, when people ask me, is it like, do you have to flip a switch or anything like that? No. I mean, for me, I I touch one field, I do my thing, I touch the other field, and it's time to go on that field. So, um, I guess, yes, now that I'm spending all my time playing football, you know, people, I, I hope to, you know, make a, a tremendous stride, obviously. But, you know, it's one day at a time for me. It's always been that way. So that's, that's how we're going to keep, keep doing it. Well, I asked your coach this, and I want you to be really honest about this, because this time last year, you were a guy who was a top 10 ba- pick in the Major League mm-hmm. Baseball draft. And people were talking about you playing football as if you just wanted to do it because you never had a chance to do it. When did you realize this dream of playing in the NFL was a lot more realizable than, than it was a year ago? Uh... Since I was a kid, you know, I always wrote down on my paper, you know, playing in the NFL, you know, being in the NFL. But um, obviously, you know, the past two years, I was sitting behind Baker, um, and all I was doing was playing baseball. You know, the scouts obviously got to see me play baseball. I didn't get to see me play football. So um, I'm 5'10", you know. We know how everybody thinks, you know, about that. Uh, so not many of us in the league. So with not having film and being short, you don't know how the NFL feels about you. You haven't played in two years, uh, and that's just where it was. So. Um, I feel like it's pretty understandable from the outsider if you're looking in um, why I was in the situation I was in. Uh, Kyler did a nice job of uh, explaining the process there and where his focus is. And you can kind of definitely feel the love for football come out when he's talking about both of those sports. Now, Lincoln Riley, somebody who has unique insight on what took place uh, during this process and what went into the decision for Kyler Murray. You go back to this point last year, and Kyler Murray was a baseball player who was going to get football a one-year shot. At what point during this season did you realize he was going to have a tough decision to make about the NFL? Well, I thought even before the season that if he played the way we thought he could, that it potentially could could be you know could be a decision. And I remember about about the midseason after we'd played a few games and I'd seen him live. I it was the the bye week. He came in and I we talked a little bit about it. And I just said, hey, you're you keep playing like this, you're, you realize you are going to have a decision to make. And uh, so just just keep doing what you're doing. And he obviously even went and played even better the second half of the season. But I'm proud of how he handled it. I mean, there's never been anybody in any sport that's had to deal with what he's had to deal with and the different offers on the table and all the scrutiny. And he's just uh, he's handled it all so well and just, just with a very mature manner. It's interesting to hear Lincoln Riley talk about Kyler Murray and that decision when it comes to playing both sports. But Lincoln Riley still had the decision to make when it came to determining quarterbacks. And he had Baker Mayfield. He had Kyler Murray kind of sitting in the on-deck circle, two guys who they eventually thought would maybe compete for the starting job. But to have back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, I think he offers a unique insight and perspective on how to look at both of these guys. 
It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you can feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever. Trains are often going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they can't stop. Even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crunched hunk of metal, and what used to be you, well, better not think about that. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop even if it sees you. The result is disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on the way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. All right, Buck. Well, I feel like we've made it cleanly through the first two sections of this podcast. First, focusing on Kyler Murray as a winner. Check that box. Second, focusing on Kyler Murray as a dual sport athlete, somebody potentially a top 10 pick in two major sports. And now we're going to transition and talk about the connection with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, Heisman Trophy winner, first overall pick. Kyler Murray, Heisman Trophy winner, potential first overall pick. That is a unique situation, an interesting dynamic, and that'll be our focus for the remainder of the show. DJ, on that topic, we caught up with Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year, Texas DN Charles Amenahu at the Senior Bowl and asked him about both Kyla Murray and the number one pick in the 2018 draft, Baker Mayfield. All right, Charles, I want you to put your uh, scouting hat on here. Join two scouts here and let's do some scouting. I want to talk about maybe the most electric player in college football, Kyler Murray. You got a chance to see him twice, so I want a little evaluation on him and maybe a comparison between what you saw in Kyler Murray and the guy he replaced in Baker Mayfield. So yeah, Kyler, like I, I mean, best player I've ever played against in my life, hands down. Um, dynamic with running the ball, and then also uh, people might not give him as much credit, but he can throw that thing just as good as he can run, man. Um, so yeah, but comparing him to Baker, Baker just didn't, Baker didn't run the ball like he did. Baker is elusive now. So mm-hmm. you go back and watch our game. I mean, Baker ducked some sacks. Me one, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> where I, I could have had two sacks versus Baylor, just got one. But he's elusive too, but not to the level of Kyler. Um, throwing, I think they're right there with each other. They're both very accurate. Um, trust that they both trust their arms like crazy. Uh, but. I think Kyler's better just because he can run that thing. Can you feel his speed? Like a lot of times you ask defensive players and they know how fast is somebody. Somebody just say, can, can you feel it? Do you feel his speed when you're on the field with Kyler Murray? Yeah, so um, the first time we played him, it was an option play. And I had, uh, my job was to slow play him so he would pitch it and give time for everybody, rally to the pitch man. And so he would run the option, he's going the sidelines, kind of pretty close, but not, not too close. And I'm playing him and he seemed like he's going to keep it. But he was playing so slow, so he was like, "Law, you sleep, law, you sleep," and then, boom, dude, like, like lightning went by me, bro. And I, I look back to my my DB, and I'm like, "Yo, did you just see this man? Like, he was literally right there, and then hit the sideline so fast, bro. And then he's so good at like tiptoeing, getting a little extra yards, and extending the ball because you know he, how he carries the ball." Yeah. And I was like, "Dude, we're we're going against somebody's real deal, like Mike Vickish." Nice. That's nice. I mean, that's 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 an awesome quote. I want to know even more about it because you faced him twice. Mm-hmm. How much did he change in the second game from the first game? Didn't run as much the second game. It was a lot more of a, they were trying to pound the rock, and uh, we, did, we did a decent job versus the run, but they were trying to throw that ball and move the pocket a little bit. They're, they're a lot more balanced than they were the first game. Well, Buck, it's great to hear from uh, Charles Amenehu. Look, somebody had a little bit of success, uh, at least splitting his games uh, with Kyler Murray, and 
had a tough loss there against Baker Mayfield. But I thought the, the quote there that was so interesting is he said, Kyler Murray, the best football player uh, he's ever played against. Buck, you had a chance to catch up with my 30th-ranked prospect in this year's draft, Oklahoma All-American offensive tackle Cody Ford. You got a chance to visit with him there at the Combine and, uh, and ask him about the Oklahoma quarterbacks. What is it like to play with the Heisman Trophy winner? It's exciting, you know, not playing with just one, but back-to-back Heisman winners. Um, I don't think many people get to say that. I'm very honored to play with both of those guys, but playing with Kyler is different. He's a great athlete, a great leader, um, and a great teammate to have on your team. You know, and, and thinking about that, because it is a unique contrast to be able to have Kyler Murray and then Baker Mayfield, who was first overall, having to protect for both of those guys. What are some of the similarities and differences between the way they play? Uh, some of the similarities would be they both like to take control of the situations um, when it's need be. Uh, another similarity is if we mess up as a line, they, they find a way to make us look good uh, getting out of the pocket. Um, one difference I would say with Kyler's not a trash talker as much as Baker, but that's the only difference I, I can come up with. Yeah, I think it's interesting what Cody Ford was able to say about both of those guys. Uh, Cody Ford obviously knows those guys well, having blocked for them. Uh, I thought uh, his take on their leadership styles and just the differences between Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray were unique. But I think it's one of the challenges that teams will have going forward in the National Football League when you look at the way that these two guys play the game in their respective manners. Well, we got a chance to talk to somebody who lined up in front of Kyler Murray. Uh, let's talk to somebody who lined up out wide, Marquise Brown. He had a chance to not only play with Kyler Murray, uh, but obviously spend some time there with Baker Mayfield as well. If I was just going to ask you the difference, playing for Baker Mayfield and with Baker Mayfield and then playing with Kyler Murray, I know you've been asked this before, but, but what's the difference between the two? Well, I'd say the difference is just their, their personalities. You know, on the field, they both love to win. So the difference is, you know, Kyler is more, you know, just him. He's reserved. You know, he's out there business-like. And, and Baker is, is, you know, loud. He's going to get everybody going. And it's just... They're, they're just different personalities. And having to play with those guys back-to-back, and you talked about Kyler Murray being a little more business-like, where Baker was a little more flamboyant and boisterous. How long did it take you guys to adjust to Kyler Murray's leadership style? Um, I mean, we knew Kyler, so we knew they were two different guys. You know, of course, at first it was like, you know, we had to raise the energy levels in different ways because Baker wasn't there. But that's something we quickly adjusted to because how close we are at OU. How much fun was it, though, knowing that with either one of these guys at quarterback, as fast as you are, man, it's, it's tough to overrun them. I mean, they get the ball up and they get it out, and you guys attack vertically with both those quarterbacks with you getting over the top. Yeah, man, it's just a blessing, you know, and that's during the recruiting process, you know, Kyler was my host. So it was like I knew I was going to have, you know, some good quarterbacks. And that was the reason I came out here. You know, in, in, in having that relationship, because Kyler was your host, um, did the offense change much? I knew you guys were, like, tight, but you had a close relationship with Baker Mayfield as well. How much did the offense change when Kyler took over for Baker Mayfield? Uh, you know, it changed a lot, you know, because Kyler can do a lot with his legs. 
So, you know, it, it came more dynamic. Teams got to account for more people. So it just it just changed a lot. And, you know, he opened up a lot of things for other people. Uh, for those who don't know, you know, about this Oklahoma offense, um, I know Baker made a very smooth transition to the NFL. And I think some people thought, oh, this is kind of that old air raid offense. But, man, uh, the, what they ask of you guys uh, at the collegiate level really helped him get prepared to play right away and be successful at the NFL level. Uh, what is it about this Oklahoma offense that, that uh, works so well? It gets you guys ready for the next level. I think it's the, the standard that is set here. You know, if you don't play at that standard, you won't play here. That goes from blocking, from, you know, just doing your assignment is to playing, you know, hard every play. You know, I think our, our offense translates just because, you know, we're not just a pass team. You know, we have like 3,000-yard rushes or something like that. So it's just – we feed off each other, you know, we're balanced and, you know, I love to hear. Well, Hollywood, when I was at the pro day there, I got a chance to chat with you a little bit and then uh, I chat with uh, Kyler on the air and got a chance to ask him, you guys have been asked it before, put, put your hand on the ground, you're healthy, your foot's totally healthy, we go ahead and let you guys run for it, who wins? Um, so I'm not going to tell you what Kyler said, but I want to get your honest opinion. Uh, who hits that tape first if you and Kyler were to uh, square off in a race? I say me, you know, I've been, dang with me, I grew up racing all the time, so it's nothing to get out there and race. If I lose, I lose, you know. He's been prolonging it for too long. So we can race whenever, you know. <laughs> how close would the race be? If you win, how close is, a uh, few feet, is Kyler right on your heels? How close is that race between you and Kyler Murray when y'all hit the tape? And a, and a 40 is going to be real close. Okay, yeah, it's going to be close. close. All right. Yeah, Kyler got a good takeoff, and yeah, it's going to be close for sure. But anything past the 40, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> you start striding out, it's over. Uh, I love yeah. it. All right, Buck, I had to ask him the question. I mean, there's, that's an age-old question, right? Who's faster, you or your buddy? I, I had no choice. I had to ask that one. I mean, you had to ask him. I would love to see that race play out because uh, there's a perception that Kyler Murray may be quicker than fast, and we know that Hollywood just has the gas. And so to see them in a 40-yard dash, <laughs> I, might pay, I might pay a little buck. I might throw some money down to go be in attendance for that one. Yeah, I think I would go uh, Hollywood on that one. Close race. Kyler's fast, but I'm going to take Hollywood uh, uh, to win that race. Uh, back to the coaches' roundtable, Buck. Uh, talking with Mike Gundy and Dana Holgerson about Kyler Murray filling the shoes of the number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield. I haven't seen him, obviously, at your rival school. Uh -huh. You've seen him. The guy before him was the first pick mm -hmm. in the draft last year. How would you compare the two? Well, they're very similar uh, with their ability to have success, but Baker Mayfield was, was so good at moving around and finding a receiver downfield and just being deadly accurate and being in a position that you thought you had him multiple times and he could find a way to throw it downfield and make a play. Murray being the opposite somewhat in the fact that you thought you had him and you couldn't get your hands on him. And we played him, I, I tell the story, we played him, I think the eighth or ninth game this year, we played Oklahoma. And going into the game, um, he had only been tackled seven times. Not sacked, tackled, really <laughs> like tackled to the ground seven times in, in eight games or so. So that's the type of player he was. But, um, you know, we thought Baker was fantastic and then Kyler comes <laughs> along behind him and, and made a lot of good plays. So. Um, they, they've, uh, they've been fortunate down there with transfers. 
Coach, Coach, you know this. You know yeah. this player very well, having <clears throat> been around the, the, that scene. What's your take on? Yeah, that? I, I recommended uh, uh, to the Browns people that they should probably take Baker Mayfield as the number one pick because he was the best that I'd ever seen, and their offense was the best I've ever seen uh, when I was at West Virginia competing against these guys. I thought we could make a run at them last year. Uh, didn't think that there was any way they could duplicate what they did in 2017. Well, they were better, and Baker Mayfield or, and uh, Kyler Murray was better. I've never seen anything like it. We played in Morgantown, ended up 59-56, and I don't think we tackled them all day. And we didn't add to that stat, I know that, because he scored quite, quite a bit. Um, you know, I just said there's no way they could have duplicated, and they did. So I take the job at the University of Houston, and we open up with Oklahoma. <laughs> and they got another one of these transfer quarterbacks that's Jalen coming Hurts in there. So I can't, I can't escape these guys right now because Jalen Hurts. So I ain't saying anything about it this year now. But yeah. Because he's, he, has, he doesn't lose too many games. And Oklahoma doesn't lose too many games. So Lincoln does a great job with those guys. And they're, they're, they're going to be everybody that's good next year. Unique insight for both coaches. Even though they combined to go 0-8 against Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray the past four years. <laughs> But look, they weren't alone. A lot of teams took losses at that. One of the guys who was uh, in attendance for a bunch of those games, how about Joel Klatt? See what else he had to say. All right, Joel, first question for you on uh, on Kyler Murray. Before we go to the Heisman Trophy year this year, I want to go back uh, to when he wasn't playing there at Oklahoma. Oh, okay. yeah. I know you're around that team. I know you call a bunch of their games each and every year. Uh, but what was it like? You know, What were they saying about him kind of behind the scenes as he was waiting his turn behind Baker Mayfield? Yeah, so... I want to go back to the year he had to sit out. Mm-hmm. So so when he, he just gets there and I went in and they were actually in the midst of, of building their, their new facility that we've all been in now. Yeah. So they were in like these temporary uh, facility in the Switzer building across the street. And it was all kind of like dark and, you know, I mean, it, it's yeah. just temporary. So when I go in and we were meeting with Lincoln and, and coach Stoops and, and the whole gamut, we're going to talk to Baker and this is his second year starting. And when we go in and I see Kyler there and I had not met him yet, but obviously known a lot about him. So I went over and chatted with him and then I, I, and this is when Lincoln was just the coordinator. And I was like, how's he doing? And he looks at me and he was like, Baker's got his work cut out for him next year. So when Kyler's eligible then to play, it's a, it's a competition. He's like, it's a competition. Now what ends up happening is that year is when Baker kind of goes bang through the roof. Um, they ended up, um, um, he was a Heisman finalist. He kind of grabs hold of not only the job, but the team, right? That was Baker's whole thing is that he was kind of a leader of leaders. And, and so it never materialized the competition, but I always go back to that moment because Lincoln knew at that point, and Bob knew at that point, he was like, they knew how special Kyler was, and they thought that he was going to, regardless of what Baker did, um, compete for the job. Now, it didn't end up happening like that, but I go back to that moment because they knew how special he was, and, and one of the things I remember vividly about Lincoln saying is he throws it way better than everybody would expect him to throw it because yeah. it was just at that point dual so threat, athletic dual threat yeah. so athletic so athletic and he and he said he's got all the throws he's gonna be great and so when he then you know stayed and backed up baker and then became the starting quarterback i had pretty high expectations for him and they did as well last story i'll tell you about the time before he starts and before yeah. his heisman year i'm at baker's pro day and Baker threw great. Uh, he's got the headband on. You know, it was Karate kid. vintage yeah. Baker, all of that different thing, uh, stuff. And and I remember, and at the time now, I've had 
I've developed a good relationship with him because I've covered them so many times. And so Kyler was over on the sideline and I was like, all right, what, tell me about next year. Cause I'm there obviously more for yeah. next year than just the draft. And he looks at me and he was like, oh, he could be better than me. And I was like, what? And I was like, you don't normally say things like that. And he was like, no, no, he's, he's, he's more gifted. He was like, I've had a great career, but he's more gifted than I am. Wow. And so those are the two things. And so that's, that's what I was expecting going into this season. So I don't think I was all that shocked that he had a great year. So that's unique in terms of hearing Baker kind of give someone praise because he doesn't really – that's not really his deal. Me, I, I was surprised. Right. So <laughs> so now you get an opportunity because you uniquely – you're up there in the press box. You're able to watch both of those guys play. <laughs> and so how do you compare and contrast the two when you saw them at Oklahoma? Um, that's a great question. I I immediately saw a difference in, in the threat of what Kyler was providing – as a runner and it's and it wasn't so the difference came in the style of defense they were facing you know everyone was concerned about baker but they were concerned about him as a distributor and his ability to read the rpo Mm -hmm. down the field and and hurt them in the middle of the field with his arm and he was so good as you guys know regardless of platform of just flipping that ball out to Mm -hmm. you know whether it was fullbacks or the tight ends like mark andrews or then he would wind up and deliver it outside the numbers and so now all of a sudden the defenses had to make a choice. And that was the first thing I noticed because everyone had defended Oklahoma so similarly when Baker was a quarterback. And now all of a sudden they had to account for this guy that if and when he wanted to pull it down, it wasn't just, oh man, he's going to move the chains. It's like, oh my God, get him on the ground, please. <laughs> you know, because he, he could take it the distance. Um, so it was a little bit different. And, and I think that those early games, I got him at FAU. I got him against UCLA. And what I saw was a guy that that was out there and he was lethal in taking advantage of defenses that were built to stop him. And he was going down the field to Hollywood Brown and, and, and he showcased what I was talking about earlier, which was his ability to throw the football. And I think people were a bit surprised early, early in the year at his effectiveness down the field, in particular to a guy like Hollywood Brown or even C.D. Lamb, who's not in this draft but will be in the future and probably be one of the top two or three wide receivers that we're talking about in the coming years. I thought he was more aggressive than Baker. I mean, you talk about going down the field and just looking at their styles and how they played. I thought there's sometimes where I wish Kyler Murray would take a little check down. Like, you've got some <laughs> you got some little bites there. You don't have to eat the whole sandwich in one bite. Yeah. Uh, I thought Baker would maybe be a little more prone to say, hey, that's what they're giving me. I'm going to take it. I just felt like Kyler was always, always reading deep to short and always trying to take shots it's a great point I think a lot of that is born out of the urgency of sitting for two years yeah and knowing I got I got I gotta go only 12 guaranteed bites at this sandwich you know like I I gotta get going whereas the calmness of playing for three years for Baker you know understanding it's like hey you know and so I think that that was more experience because late in the year I thought Kyler did a better job of that Mm -hmm. to be honest with you even against Alabama when they really needed it I didn't feel like he was raring back looking for home runs all the time. I could, you know, I, could I think early on in that game he was, and I thought he settled down and then started yeah, they playing deferred. a little more comfortable. Yeah. Let's not get into that. That's yeah. a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Get your defense out on the field day. 7 hey. nothing. What do you know? Hey, what do you know? It's 128th ranked defense. Let's put him out there against Alabama. Only the second best offense in college. Yeah. Go get him. Come on, Lincoln. Well, I really appreciate the insight there from our buddy Joel. It's uh 
it's unique for somebody to be in attendance at so many of those games, calling those games, not only being there on game day, but doing all that prep work, studying the game tape like Joel does to get ready for those Oklahoma games. So we do appreciate his contributions. Now, the man probably most responsible for where these two young men are right now is their head coach. When you look at Lincoln Riley, the job he did developing Baker Mayfield, the job he did of really launching Kyler Murray this season into a Heisman Trophy win, as well as potentially being the first overall pick. It was great to catch up with him and get his perspective on these two passers. All right, Coach, let's start with the simple stuff. I mean, you, you've had the second straight year where you got a potential first-round pick, first overall pick in this event and at your pro day. As a coach, how proud are you of just what Kyler Murray's done so far? They're really proud uh, just from where he started, uh, you know, coming in here, uh, having to sit a year and then being Baker's backup for a year. Uh, and then with all the outside pressure on this kid from, you know, all he's had on him from his from his high school career, all the baseball, you know, just so much has been made of it. And he's handled it all so well. And I'm so happy that he got the chance to, to make the decision. He certainly made that decision to go full forward with football. And uh, he's somebody's going to love coaching him at the next level. Coach, I want to go back to that time when Baker when Baker moves on. Baker goes to the Browns, and now you're going to give the keys to Kyler with this offense. What what was said in that meeting, and did you see any change in Kyler from kind of sitting in the in the passenger seat to now taking over there in the driver's seat? The great thing about Kyler was even when he wasn't the starter, he was pretty aggressive. I mean, that's just his nature, and uh, he was always competing with Baker. I think it made those two guys better throughout their time together here. But he certainly took the reins pretty quickly here. He was very natural and comfortable in that leadership spot. Um, really, I think the team really took on his personality, especially of his competitiveness. And he, he's one of those guys, he sets such a high standard for everybody around him. And he, he sets it for himself first and then expects them to all meet it. And uh, so it made our team better. And he was just certainly a tremendous leader for us. Baker had that smooth transition last year, Coach, coming out of this system. What, what is it about this offense that you've built that makes that transition a little easier for these guys going to the next level? Well, it puts, it puts a lot on them mentally. I mean, it's, it's like operating out of a huddle. It's just we do it in no huddle. They, they communicate everything. They do, they do protections. They, every kind of throw scheme, run scheme, play action scheme that you could imagine, you know, we challenge these guys to do it, and they've done it well. So I think they get to those situations, and, and I think they're, they're feeling comfortable. They've, they've been able to do these things before. They've had success, and they've, they've translated well. Last thing for me, Joe, I'm going to get one more in here, just selfishly. In a race in practice, Hollywood and Kyler, how has that gone? Who wins? If it's 100, I would say Hollywood. Uh, if it was a 40, you pay good money to watch it. I promise you that. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Thanks. DJ, how about that? You're Lincoln Riley in two years in as head coach. You have two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. Let's go back to Oklahoma where you and Jeffrey Chadia talked with Kyler Murray about replacing a legend at OU. I don't know if you were here last year when Baker Mayfield was going through his pro day. Yep. Um, but clearly he was the first pick in the draft. He's had a really good rookie season. Have you reached out to him about how to handle this process and what kind of advice has he given you about going through this part of the process? Yeah, uh, since the you know, during the season, we kind of, you know, didn't really talk much because he was busy, I was busy. But, you know, since the Heisman, um, you know, he talked me through that deal uh, and then at, so forth. Um, we've been we've been in contact pretty much a lot, you know. So I talked to him last night about the Odell trade. I texted him. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> uh, I can't go into that, but let's uh, say I was a little jealous. But, uh, no, nah, he, he's he's a he's a great guy. That's my boy. So it's, it's, it's great having him in my corner. You don't have to say it. I know you're not going to say it. But is there a team you have in mind where you, you're looking at it saying, that's where I want to go, or are you open to wherever? 
Uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's like, I want to go here, I want to go there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be, you know, in this position. Uh, wherever I go, you know, this has always been a dream. I want to play in the NFL. So, um, obviously, I would love to go, you know, number one in the draft. Um, but if not, you know, it is what it is. All right, last question, then we'll let you run here. I asked your, your head coach this question because I'm curious. The two fastest players I saw on tape this year were you and your teammate mm -hmm. in Hollywood. So if I, if we, you guys aren't going to run. He's got the foot. When he's healthy, when you're healthy, maybe it's like Rocky. Get something right? together. Remember, like Rocky and yeah. Apollo. Nobody's in the gym, but you guys race that 40. Who wins? I got him. I'm going to get him. Today, today, definitely, right? Today, <laughs> he's got a boot on. He's definitely, he's got today, definitely. But I, I'm on record saying that 40 yards, I get him. All right, there you go. Past, past 40 yards, he got it. I don't, I don't really care about that. Right. <laughs> well, Buck, that's, uh, that's it in terms of the interviews for this episode. Man, it's, uh, it's great to look at these three different aspects of Kyler Murray. He's a unique player. It's a unique situation, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch him at the next level. But it begs the question, you know, we've heard from everybody else. Uh, people want to know what we think here. I'll, I'll live you, give you the floor here. Kyler Murray, how do you see him fitting in as a potential number one overall pick? Is that the right spot for him, and how's he going to do? I think he's going to be a fantastic player at the next level. He's unique because he's a little different. He doesn't fit the normal prototypes when it comes to his physical dimensions or even his style of play. However, he can play in a traditional offense because he is a polished pocket passer. He has unique traits when it comes to his arm talent, and then he gives you the extra, which is his running ability. I would expect Kyler Murray to do what he has always done. In high school, he was a dominant player and a winner. In college, he was a dominant player and a winner. I don't think it changes when he gets to the pros. Sure, you have to make some, some changes a little bit, some tweaks to your offense to make sure that you fully take advantage of all the things that he brings to the table. But I expect if he goes to the right situation, he's going to win. With the Arizona Cardinals, you know, Cliff Kingsbury and he, like, being able to kind of work together, I think that's a unique challenge just because the Cardinals may not have a lot around him. But Cliff Kingsbury is a terrific quarterback developer. He has a track record of having success with quarterbacks. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But Kyler Murray certainly is worthy of consideration at number one because I think he's a top 10 player. It's just a matter of scheme fit with the player. I think he should have success regardless. Well, I look at it and I say this is a this is a marvelous athlete with a huge arm who's got a lot of twitch and that to me is an underrated aspect of the position. It's one of the reasons why last year you look at guys like Sam Darnold uh, and Baker Mayfield, things you liked about them, everything was sudden. You know, not to be the best athlete in the world, but everything's just sudden and quick. See things quickly, quick release, quick feet. Uh, there's just a suddenness about him, and I see that with Kyler Murray, and those are things I really really like. He can make things happen uh, quickly. Now. Two challenges he's going to face at the next level. Number one is, is something that's been talked about a lot. It's just durability. Um, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's a little over 200 pounds. Um, he's going to take some shots. Can he continue to get back up off the field after taking those hits? He's done a really good job of protecting himself, sliding, get out of bounds, giving up. You'll even see him roll his shoulder, turn away from contact inside the pocket. But still, durability would probably be at the top of the list of my concerns. And then the unknown for me, uh, is playing in chaos. When you look at him, you go back to high school. He played with a tremendously talented high school team. They went 43-0, as we've talked about here. He had better players on his side of the field every time he got on the field. At Oklahoma, almost the exact same. You could argue until they got um, into the playoffs, every game they took, took the field, 
He had better players. He had four draft picks along that offensive line, a fifth next year. So his entire offensive line, NFL players, did not have to function in the chaos, which with that Arizona Cardinals group, Buck, he's going to find himself in some of that chaos. How does he play? How does he function in that environment? To me, that's a little bit of an unknown. It is an unknown, and I think you bring up valid concerns because he has always been the favorite, the heavyweight. Uh, He's never necessarily been the underdog when it comes to who he has with him. And so how does he handle that? How does he handle losing games? Because he's never really been exposed to a lot of losses. And so either you're a guy who, uh, because you hate losing so much that you find a way to will yourself and your team to victories, or it can kind of paralyze you a little bit because you've never really had to deal with that kind of adversity. There are some questions that he will have to answer along his journey, but I'm certainly willing to bank on his ability to answer the bill and come out of it on the other side. I end up uh, with him as the the top quarterback in this year's draft class. It does look like uh, it will be the Arizona Cardinals. If not the Arizona Cardinals, I think you start to look at the Raiders at pick number four or potentially a team like the Washington Redskins or Miami Dolphins. Uh, climbing up and get ahead of the Raiders to pick him. I, I can't see any scenario where he falls out of the top five. Can you, Buck? No, I can't. I, th- I think he's just a special player, a unique talent. He's one that we've kind of been championing for a while. And I think the play matches up with where he's going to be selected because I think he has an opportunity to be a superstar in this league. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. That's our 360 on Kyler Murray. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. If you have, Uh, Be sure to go check out the rest of our 360 series here on the Move to Sticks podcast where we've covered Dwayne Haskins, Nick Bosa, Daniel Jones, the Clemson defensive line, all four of them, one of my favorites we've ever done to go along with this Kyler Murray episode. You can find all of our podcasts, nfl.com slash podcast, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app, and all the Move to Sticks video content, nfl.com slash MTS video, or youtube.com slash NFL. Big shout out to our guy Kent, who's done a phenomenal job putting this 360 series together. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.